Welcome to church. Uh, so glad that you're here as we start the series, uh, God on Film. Uh, I hope you enjoy the popcorn. I know for sure you're not going to eat that popcorn like you do in the movie theater and just throw it all on the floor. I know you're not. No, just I'm kidding. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Are you doing well? Good. Let's stand to your feet one more time. Today we start a series, and every week has a different spin, a somewhat a different topic. And today we are hitting the film Godzilla. How many of you have watched the new Godzilla that's come out? The new one? Who? How many? Cheryl has? Who else? Just Cheryl. Okay, how many of you have seen the old Godzillas? Very good. How many of you have never seen a Godzilla in your life and you don't care? Very good. All right. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's all right. You don't have to have seen Godzilla for this series to make sense to you today. Uh, so we're going to go to our text, Matthew 18, 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. Then I want to jump forward a couple of chapters to chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, verses 11 through 12. Jesus says, The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in the life of this church in the life of our families, and in the life of each individual that is here today. God, I thank you that you have shown up and you are going to do what only you can do among us. So God, we just lay our hearts bare before you. Whatever needs that we're currently wrestling with, whatever valleys that we're currently navigating, or whatever mountaintops and celebrations that we're currently experiencing, God, we just allow you to step into every season and every moment of our life. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say amen. Before you sit down, I want you to meet somebody new. High five somebody, shake a hand. I see several new people here today. So reach out, reach beyond yourself, and then you may be seated. The Exchange Church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And if you're new, I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and and maybe if you're coming back after a season of being gone, I want to say, don't do that again. Stay with us. We love you. We're family. And I'm so glad to see all of you here today on God at the Movies and Godzilla Weekend. Godzilla, I actually am not really familiar with Godzilla. I'm sure I've seen a movie or two, but it was just an expensive nap for me. I tend to go to the movies and sleep unless it's just a really phenomenal movie. In fact, I just rate movies by if I stayed awake or not. So I don't recall Godzilla. However, I don't want to talk about the most recent Godzilla because, number one, no one's seen it but Cheryl. 
But I do want to talk about the trend of Godzilla, the franchise of Godzilla, because I think it's kind of interesting, actually. If you do a bit of research, you know, Godzilla first started in 1954. The old version of Godzilla, he was very much the villain. He was out to destroy everything, and it was just a very, you know, chaotic movie. Then there were some number of years before Godzilla was revived, and it was brought over, and the new producers were trying to, I don't know, revive Godzilla in some way so that audiences would love Godzilla. They wanted to make audiences empathetic toward Godzilla so that they kind of felt sorry for him if he was to get injured or, you know, if he were to get wounded or as the military were trying to destroy him, the audience would say, no, don't die, Godzilla. Because the first couple of movies, no one really cared if Godzilla lived or died. So he was the villain initially, but then he transitioned to, and if you look at the series of Godzilla's, uh, this will be your new uh, homework if you choose to watch them, is decide, is he a villain or is he an anti-hero? Anti-hero. An anti-hero is someone that performs heroic actions without having heroic motivations. In other words, in some of the movies you'll see that... Um, Godzilla will save the people and rescue the people because he's fighting off and killing a bigger bad person. Godzilla's still bad, but he's fighting off a bigger bad person, so he's an anti-hero. He performs the actions of a hero, but he doesn't have the motivations of a hero. In other words, you and I might say uh, he doesn't really have courage, morality, doesn't have patience, tenderness, kindness, you know, all the things that we like to see in our good hero and romantic comedy movies Godzilla doesn't have. But he still saves the day on some level. He's an anti-hero. So as I talk about Godzilla, I, I wanted to really look at the trajectory of who he was throughout the franchise of these movies. And there's only one topic in Scripture that I think really fits better than any other topic in Scripture of this whole notion of doing the right thing but having the wrong motivation. Today I want to talk to you about humility. Humility. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility. You and I are called as children of God to be humble. We don't even know what that means, honestly. If we're really honest, we know what the word means. We just don't know what it looks like on us. You know, we, we don't really know how contextually does that play out in the lives of our families, with our coworkers, with our boss, with the policemen, with, with um, the teachers, with the principals, with our congressmen. What does humility really look like? We, we kind of know pride. We know the word pride, right? Or at least we think we do. When, when we see it on other people, oh, they're prideful. They're arrogant, right? They're conceited. They're, they're into themselves. How many of you have expert radar when it comes to seeing pride on others? Everyone's scared this is a trick question. 
It's not a trick question. Oftentimes, we are experts at seeing things wrong with other people and not really seeing what's going on with us. Pride, in the Bible context at least, pride is simply preferring self-will to God's will. Biblical pride is overcome when we can say with Jesus, your will be done in my life. Our pride is destroyed, our pride is smashed, our, our pride is demolished when we can honestly say, like, say the right words with the right and true motivation that aligns with those words, God, not my will, but your will be done in heaven and in earth. Now, pride often gets in the way of what God wants to do, and pride obviously does not produce humility in our life. James 4, 6 says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What would force God to oppose me? James says, it's pride. You ever thought about that? Like God literally says, we're going to step into the boxing rings if you get too arrogant. If you get too prideful, if you think you're all that in a bag of popcorn, I'm going to oppose that. Because you need to understand, if you're a child of God, you need to understand that I'm still the king. I'm, I'm supreme. I reign all. I am the beginning and the end. The created never surpasses the creator. Pride can easily develop in our life. Matthew 23, 11 through 12 the greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Our culture really promotes and celebrates a lot of things that don't look like humility. It celebrates success. It celebrates power. It celebrates ambition, fame, and wealth. And if we're honest with each other, humility really isn't talked about as a personal win. If you look at my resume, it's going to say I'm 5'11 and a half, right? Brown hair in Jesus' name. Green eyes, five kids, now seven kids that I buy for at Christmas time, thanks to marriage. It's going to say that I have an engineering degree from Texas A&M University. It's going, to say that, <clears throat> it's going to say that I've been married 25 years. It's going, yeah, that's something worth celebrating. I don't know. I don't know how my wife did it. I've been married 25 years. It's going to say all of these lists of accomplishments, but on my resume, it's not going to say, and he's humble. Right? In, in your social media account, Whenever it says describe you, you're not, you're not listing, oh, I'm a lover of Jesus, I'm a wife, I'm a great cook, and I'm humble. We just don't do that. Facebook, how are you feeling today? What's on your mind? Ah, I feel like I'm humble. We just, humility is not really in the conversation. It's, it's really not. We don't focus on it, and we don't make it as important as God makes it important. We have to really consider what humility does in our world. Humility might, Scott, be a, a bad word for us. It almost be, might be like profanity to us because I think humble and humility has kind of been misused and abused throughout the years. 
when we think of the word humble, some of us picture in our mind, diary of a wimpy kid, right? Diary of just, oh, he must be really humble. No, he's not. He's just a wimpy kid. So some of us, we picture, uh, what's that? Is it Gomer Pyle? Anyone? Oh, there's one person that remembers. Gomer Pyle, remember that? It just goofy, not, not really coherent. We think, oh, that's what humility looks like, but that's not what humility looks like. Or Barney Fife on TV, that's not what humility looks like. And I think that the church may have contributed to this misconception of humility because we often celebrate blessed is the meek. But instead of saying blessed is the meek, we say blessed is the weak. We think because you don't stand up for yourself that you're somehow humble. That's not humility. Not standing up for your family is not meekness and not humility. Allowing people to abuse you is not humility. Like not standing up for the injustices of the world is not humility. Like there are some things we cannot say, just be still and let God fight our battle. God's wanting to fight the battle through you and I. For example, racism should not exist around us. You and I should not exist. Like we can't control everyone out there, but it certainly shouldn't happen to those who are calling themselves children of God. There should be zero tolerance for racism. Child abuse should not exist around children of God. Like there are certain things worth fighting for. Sex trafficking of young kids, teenagers, even young adults should be worth something that you and I are fighting for. Kids in Haiti not having water, not having food, that should be something worth fighting for. We can't call inaction humility. There's another brand of humility that is equal unattractive, and I call that the Eddie Haskell version. Anyone ever see Leave it to Beaver? <laughs> that really separates the crowd. <laughs> Eddie Haskell and Leave it to Beaver always went up to the parents, Warden June Cleaver, and was like, yes, sir. Yes, yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. And he acted like he had his act together and he's very submissive and very respectful while the beeve and his brother understood that's just an act. He's just kissing up. That, you know, Eddie Haskell is not really respectful, right? Uh, some of us do that with humility. We, we act like we've got humility all day long in front of people, but we know in our hearts that once we lose that stage opportunity to show humility, the monster comes out. Godzilla rears its ugly head. This is not an image of humility which you and I want to aspire to. There's, there's another, though, image of humility, which is just the opposite of Eddie Haskell. And that's not someone that's trying to act humble. That is someone that is clearly very, very arrogant and thinks they're perfect. In fact, I have a sound clip from an old country western song that would be the theme song for this kind of guy or gal. Do we have that clip that we can play? Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. 
Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. How many know somebody like that? I try so hard to be humble, but it's just too hard. I'm so perfect. People who think they know, uh, there's this one uh, girl who says, people who think they know everything really bother those of us who do. Ted Turner seemed to fit this bill whenever he said, if, if I only had a little humility, I'd be perfect. And then Peter Lawrence, Lawrence Peter explained uh, this person's approach to humility when he wrote, humility is the embarrassment you feel when you tell people how wonderful you are. That's not humility. These, these people, unfortunately, are frauds. They're not, they're not perfect as they suggest or they assume and they actually don't even really feel all that important. They feel desperately and deeply inadequate. So they have to put on the mask of arrogance, and they have to put on the mask and become an actor and impersonate someone who, who is perfect because they're trying to substitute power, fame, status, and wealth for genuine feelings of self-worth. In fact, when I come across a really arrogant person, I know Maybe that's your hot button and you can't stand when you come across an arrogant person. I don't get that offended at them. I feel really sad for them. I feel really sad that they have to put on this charade and this game of acting so perfect because they are too uncomfortable in their own skin. This is probably what Jesus was talking about in our text for today, where he says, Forever, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The contemporary English version puts it this way. If you put yourself above others, you will be put down. But if you humble yourself, you will be honored. And then the message says this. I love this version. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. There's another reason humility leaves a bad taste in our mouth. I think some of us think that humility means humiliation. And that's not true. You can actually be humble and be very healthy and confident and secure in who you are. There was this story of a, a church. The pastor was going to be out for a couple of weeks. He needed someone to come in and preach while he was gone. And there was a seminary in town. So they went to the seminary and he said, do you have any of your students that could step in for a couple of weeks and just, you know, just preach a sermon, keep the church going and they said, oh, we know just the guy. This guy has been in school. He's, this is now year three, and he's made all A's, and he's doing fantastic. He, he's well put together. He'll be great. So they went to the student, got him lined up. He was going to preach for the two weeks on the Sunday for the pastor that's going to be gone. And he shows up that Sunday. And man, he is just prepared, and he is so full of himself. And he just, he just realizes that he is the gift to the church in that moment, like, the seminary student's got his hair perfect, his, his suit is pressed, his tie is tied just perfectly, and he walks up to the platform so confident and full of himself, and he walks up to the pulpit, and he realizes that he forgot his notes. He had his Bible, but he forgot his notes. So he opened up his Bible, and he's trying to figure something out, and so he just remembers all that he can remember from the top of his head, and it, it was awful. He did really horrible, and he closed his Bible, and he thanked the congregation for having him, and he walks off the platform feeling dejected, defeated, destroyed, demolished by this opportunity. 
At the end of the service, a sweet little lady meets him in the back, and she shakes his hand, and she says, Young man, if you had walked up onto the platform with the attitude that you walked off the platform with, maybe you would have walked off the platform with the attitude that you walked on the platform with. In, in other words, had you not walked up so confident in yourself initially, and you would have been more humble and confident in God inside of you, maybe you would have exited the platform feeling really confident in what God had just accomplished rather than feeling so defeated. Because folks, let me tell you, when pride walks on the platform, God walks off. Humility has to be at work in our life. None of the images of humility are really what Jesus had in mind. We we see here that the disciples are asking, hey, who's going to be the greatest? And I, I just imagine what they thought in that moment when he pulls the little kid closer. You know, the kids, the, the ones that the disciples had just pretty much said, hey, get away from Jesus. Don't bother the master. But Jesus pulls the kids forward and he says, anyone that is just like this, this is the person that's going to enter the kingdom of God. And maybe the disciples thought, are, are you kidding me right now? A kid? Like the, the, the snot-nosed little kid? I, for sure I thought the greatest was going to be Elijah. Elisha. For sure I thought the greatest was going to be Moses. For sure I thought the greatest was going to be Abraham. Well, what do you mean the greatest in the kingdom is going to be this kid? And Jesus doesn't specifically explain, but I have a couple of ideas. I, I think what God was really saying is we need to be unassuming like a child. We need to be at a place where we're not trying to impress anyone. We're not trying to put on airs. We're not trying to be something we're not. We're just being who we are, like a kid. You know, a kid being a kid, not a kid that's having to grow up too early, not a, not a kid that's having to put on a show because you're a public figure, just a kid being, being a kid. I think that is the greatest in the kingdom. God wants us to approach him and others as if we've got nothing to prove. I've got nothing to prove to any of you, by the way. Just me. There's something freeing in that. You know, just being a kid who doesn't care. You ever seen a, a toddler at a restaurant? They don't care that you're trying to have a nice meal. They don't. They just want their mac and cheese. And they want it now. They don't care that they're screaming and interrupting this moment of conversation between you and your family. They don't care. They just, they just want their food now. They don't care that they've got food dripping all over their, their chin and they're throwing their food and spitting their food. They're just being, being a kid. They're not trying to impress any of us. Maybe you and I need to get back to a place where we're just being who God created us to be. And we're not trying to impress anybody. And I get that, that there's so much pressure for you and I to compete, so much pressure for you and I on social media to throw out there how grand we are, what a good day we are. By the way, if you ever compare yourself to someone on social media, please don't do that. Don't compare your behind the scenes to their highlight reel. Because I guarantee you any great picture of all the kids smiling has been taken at least 10 times. Any, like, someone out in a field and their makeup is perfect and their eyes are just shining and it's like, oh, just, 
it looks like they just woke up that way. They didn't wake up that way. They did a 360 turn to find the best lighting. They took multiple shots. Then they filtered it. That's their highlight reel. I know that you wake up and you, you have bags under your eyes. That's okay. That's you. That's me too. It's okay. And I'm not suggesting that we all go home and post selfies of our morning face, please. But let's just understand that we don't have to impress the world with our great job, with our great car, with our clean house, right? You'll never see me take a selfie in my house unless it's clean. That's not because I'm trying to press you. That's because I want to live to see another day because my wife will kill me if I put on social media a dirty house, even if it's my dirty house, my fault, which normally is what happens. We always want to impress with the 2.5 kids, with the income tax return or income taxes done on time or our kids graduated high school. You know, I, I'm just saying in September, all of us are going to be posting, oh, first day of school for little Johnny. But none of you did that for the first day of summer school, right? We just don't do that because we want to impress. There's this couple I saw on Facebook. You ever seen a expecting shoot like uh, we're expecting a baby yeah are you guys awake there, there's this thing i saw on facebook do we have pictures of the parents that are expecting i would love to show this empty nesters june 1st 2019 so sad on the left and then just kidding on the right next one our favorite kids the two dogs <laughs> Next one, zero kids, June 2019. Celebration. And is there another one or is that it? That's it, that's it. They're not trying to impress anybody, not even their kids. That is awesome. So what does humility look like? If we're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what does Humility, humility look like. I have several points. I'm just going to run through them quick in the remaining five minutes that I have. Number one, believe that you are a child of God. We wouldn't have to pretend to be something we're not. We don't have to pretend to be something we're not. We, if we really believe this, we wouldn't have to prove our worth to anyone else or even ourselves if we truly believed that we were a child of God. Colossians 3.12, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Are you a child of God? Let's just settle that now. Let's settle it. Like it, it's getting kind of old for you. D to say you're a child of God and then, and then you're out again and you make some mistakes and you do things wrong and you don't pray and you don't read your Bible and you use a few words that you're pretty sure Jesus wouldn't use and all of this. Like, let's say, are you a child of God or not? Did you become a child of God because of what he did for you or did you become a child of God because you acted your way into that privilege? We need to determine that now. Because you're going to keep traveling the same road around the same mountain until you really get something deep inside of you that you are a son 
or a daughter, whether you make a mistake or not, whether you do all the right things or not, whether you're successful or a failure in what culture says you should be, are we sons and daughters or not? Because if we are, that doesn't change based on circumstance. And when you know that, it allows humility to flourish in your life because I don't have to prove to you that God loves me. I don't have to prove to you that God's working through me. I don't have to prove to you that I've got the Holy Ghost. I don't have to prove to you that there's a calling on my life. I'm a son. And whether I've got fancy spiritual gifts or not, whether I can preach a good sermon or not, above all, I'm a son. On the mountain or in, in the valley, in a home or under the highway, am I a son or not? We've got to settle that. Too, too many of us are walking around trying to claim we're a son, but we have an orphan heart. And I just need to say this one more time. The son and the orphan cannot live in the same heart. One of them has to die. Number two, humble disciples of Jesus Christ are filled with gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is not just this, this catchy word, this, this hip word that's going around, this pop psych thing. Gratitude is very real. Gratitude will transform your life if you use it every day. Gratitude has the capacity to rewire your brain. I've said this in a previous series. I'm going to say it again. Every day you should be journaling three things that you're grateful for. What am I grateful for? And then how did I contribute to that thing from which I'm grateful for? I'll give you an example. Wake up in the morning. Oh, man, I'm, I'm grateful for the sunrise. And, and for that, I contribute. Some of us would say, well, you contributed nothing. But I did. I partnered with that by waking up early enough to see the sunrise. Some of us, if we are only grateful for things that we don't partner with, we slip into a victim mentality. This is a great way for you and I to understand that this thing called relationship with Jesus is a he and me kind of deal. It's a partnership kind of deal. I'm not like the bottom of the barrel scum and only Jesus is doing everything great. Jesus is doing everything great and a lot of it's through me. Gratitude will increase your humility. Humble disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to make mistakes willing to make mistakes. I tend to get in the most trouble when I'm the surest about something. Anyone else out there like that? Oh man, I'm just certain. I am sure that he did this, she did this, or that happened, or they feel this way, or I am, I am just certain that I deserve this, or I, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like just so certain I get myself in the, in the most trouble. We have to be okay admitting our mistakes. For example, I'll admit one to you right now. You want to hear a mistake that we made this morning, first service, before first service? It was actually around 9.15, and we have music playing in the hallways. And we chose to play the soundtrack for Godzilla, a movie which we had not seen. Wait a minute, some pieces are coming together. Cheryl has seen. 
Cheryl, who chose, um, who chose the soundtrack for Godzilla? Was that you, my dear, with Cheryl? <laughs> so anyway, we, we were playing the, the Godzilla soundtrack, and um, Cheryl's in the office, and somebody, a, a person comes running from the bathrooms because the music's louder in the bathrooms, and they're like, what are you playing? And she says, oh, the Godzilla soundtrack. And they're like, there's profanity. And so we've, like, we're dropping bombs in the bathroom in more than one way. And so we changed it real quick. We made a mistake, right? But, and we had so many first-time guests in first service. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. We just admit, admit our mistakes, but also the next point is humble disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to laugh at themselves. Come on, have some fun. Cheryl, let's laugh that you made that mistake, girl. (laughs) Just let it loose. Laugh at yourself. The other day I was at this place. It was a couple weeks ago when it was storming and lightning and thundering and all that. And, you know, they kept saying tornadoes, no tornadoes. But I wanted to see tornadoes, so I was kind of disappointed. But anyway, I'm in a building, and I have to run to my car, which is probably from here to the back of the auditorium. And it's pouring down, but I don't have time to wait in the building. I've got to get to my next appointment. And there are cars all there, and I saw a couple people sitting in their cars. I don't know them, but I saw that they were in there waiting for the storm to pass. But I didn't have time, so I figured I'm just going to go to my car real quick. I'm going to jog to my car, and then I'll dry off when I get in the car. And so I leave, leave the building, and I'm walking real quick about halfway, you know, just trying not to slip because I, I would hate that. But I'm walking, and all of a sudden, lightning and thunder the loudest I've ever heard in my life, I am pretty sure it was six inches from me, hits, and I drop to the ground. And all in like a matter of three seconds, I'm like, should I act like I fell? I tripped? I'm scared? What? Do I, I don't know what to do. So I stand back up to my full, full 5'11 and a half inches, like I ain't scared, and then I just walk slow. What an idiot I look like. I just walk, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Like I'm jogging, I fall and I stand up. I get in the car and I'm like, stupid, 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 stupid. I hope nobody knows me. And it was, it was ridiculous. We have to be able to laugh at ourselves. You know the beauty of learning to laugh at yourself? When you can truly learn to laugh at yourself, the laughter from others doesn't faze you. Humble disciples of Jesus Christ, can accept appreciation for a job well done. There's nothing worse than a a falsely humble person that can't even receive a good job. Do you know what I mean? Like out in the hallway, oh, great job, Lexi, singing today. Great job on that song. She's going to say, oh, thank you so much. But someone with false humility would say, oh, no, it was just the Lord. The Lord sounds like Lexi? There was this one guy one time he sang and it got complimented. And uh, he's like, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And I was thinking, well, if that's the Lord, please tell him to stop singing. Because I know the Lord sings better than that. A pastor friend of mine told him that. And uh, we have to be okay just saying thank you. Why, Why do we get so funny and weirded out when people compliment us? That's just our insecurity. You know, somebody tells you, you're pretty, ladies, or guys, I guess. Just say thank you. Don't get so weird. Don't make it more awkward. You know, like somebody says, 
oh, you're a good dad on Father's Day. Don't tell them all the times that you've raised your voice at your kids to justify the fact that you're not a good dad. Just be gracious and say, you know, thanks. I'm, I am, aren't I, on most days? A good dad. Like when someone at the restaurant says, oh, your kids are so good and obedient, don't tell them what your kids do at home every day. Just say thank you, right? Just say thank you. When people compliment us, we have to get better. Humility doesn't say we're not good. Humility is able to receive a compliment and not allow our ego to expand. Humble disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to learn from anyone. I learned a long time ago that if I am a student, everyone is a teacher. Doesn't matter how much experience they have, doesn't matter how old they are, doesn't matter how mature they are, doesn't matter how much they know Jesus. If I am a teacher, sorry, if I'm a student, everyone is a teacher. I would like our prayer team to come as you all stand to your feet today. Humility requires that you and I strike a balance. We feel no need to act important because we are important. We, we don't need to pretend we are somebody because we are somebody. You are a child of God. We can be confident without being puffed up, humble without being a doormat. So today, so today, I just want to extend an opportunity to you as our prayer team is here. Just, just because you come to the front doesn't mean you, you're prideful and arrogant. That's not what this is about. This is about finding a way to surrender our will to his. So some of us have been wrestling with that next decision, wrestling with wanting that promotion, wrestling with not sleeping at night because you don't know what tomorrow holds. And I just... I want to encourage you that in this moment, we can agree with you that our will will surrender to his will. We, we will agree with you that if you feel like you're not making progress in certain areas, that God's going to come on the scene and reassure you. And so as we worship today, I'm going to ask you guys to sing with us, but more importantly than that, to investigate your own heart and find the areas where you need surrender and let us pray with you.